Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. I am thrilled to have on Christian Chasmer today, who is a high-level executive coach. He goes in, he does leadership training, helps businesses be more productive. He had a very successful real estate practice and now is focusing much more on leadership development, building teams, helping people reach their highest level of, uh, of self and how they show up at work. So we cover a lot of different topics in this in this interview. We talk about health and wellness and philosophy and getting better and uh, there's a lot there's a lot here so i i hope you enjoy my interview today with christian. christian thank you so much for joining me today tell me a little bit about how you got started i know you had a real estate business now you do a lot of coaching and you look pretty young so like how did you how did you do all this yeah i i actually got started on my entrepreneurial journey when i was a junior in college um before then i didn't know anything about entrepreneurship didn't know anything about personal development i thought personal development was going to the gym so growing up in a really small town i didn't know any of that stuff but when i was in college actually going uh pre-law to be a lawyer because in my small town if you wanted to make money you either became a banker or a lawyer so that was the track i was doing and I went to class one day, my junior year, and there was a piece of paper on the desk and it said, run your own business, make $10,000 over the summer. And I had $30 to my bank account at the time. And I said, cool, sign me up. I'll do anything for 10 grand. Um, and I did. And what I wound up joining was an internship franchise program where I ran my own exterior painting company over the summer. So in the spring, I knocked on doors, I sold paint jobs, I learned how to sell, I hired my own team of painters. And then over the summer, we produced all of that work. So management, customer service, uh, customer issues, employee issues. Basically, it was like going into the fire and learning how to run a business in 10 months. And from there, I was hooked. I, I did make that $10,000. I found, I found out that I loved entrepreneurship and from there, I never really looked back and I just kept trying to grow and humble myself and continue as an entrepreneur and as a, a leader, because I really wasn't a good leader at that time. So I needed to work on that as well. So tell me more about, about leadership and your leadership strategy and, and why specifically you wanted to leave the, you know, like the classic fields of, uh, you know, different, you know, products and selling and to move into more coaching and helping other people achieve their highest sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my, my big principles on leadership is always asking myself, one, first and foremost, am I being a person that people want to follow? Am I being that leader that people can look up to and want to follow up, right? I think that's a pretty, pretty important question to always ask yourself. Are you lighting your team up or are you putting them down? Um, but really when it comes to management and leadership and the team aspect, I'm always looking for how can I keep the team aligned? How can I keep them focused on their big goals and the big priorities in the company? And then how can I give them a structure and a system so that they can succeed without me micromanaging? Because I love coaching. I don't love managing. So I always wanted to find a way to get into that coaching relationship over a management relationship. And what I found, oh, go ahead. 
No, I was, I was curious why at, at the juncture in your career that you, that you are in currently or like with the, the, that you're, you're very young, right? I'm saying, not, I don't know, how old are you? Hello? 26. 26, great. Okay, hey, okay perfect. Um, you're, tw- you're 26. Why leave, you know, commercial real estate now? Why, why not, you know, like a lot of people, you know, follow this through the career. What, what, why did you make that pivot at this point? Yeah, great question. I so we were building our real estate development company. Uh, it was out in Boston. I was able to systemize myself out of the day to day and move to San Diego uh, to be closer to my now wife. And through that process, we were really going. We were building. It was a high stress, high intensity situation. Right, we were putting up buildings in Boston, and there was a point where I was searching for something. I was. I was. I thought the business was really fun and I was learning a ton and it was challenging, but it wasn't giving me that passion, that fulfillment that I I felt like I needed, that I always, you know, craved. I was reading a book one day and the question that was posed in the book was, what would you do if you know you would fail? So what is so important that you would do it anyway, even though you fail doing it? And it it really just punched me in the face because I realized it wasn't real estate development. It was helping others live their best life and really what I'm doing now in the coaching consulting world. Um, so once I really hit that question and it, it really came to me and I felt it in my core, I four months later transitioned out, sold my real estate company and started working on what I'm doing now. So in terms of what you're doing now, how did you figure out the ideal niche that you would want to work with and what makes a good client for you? The kind of person where you're, you're, you're talking to them and you're like, oh my gosh, I can totally help you. Yeah, for sure. So when I was building the real estate development company, I, on the side for fun, was just helping a lot of my entrepreneur buddies. I was helping them with systems, with processes, looking at their leadership team and helping the team get into a rhythm. And I was just doing that, like I said, for fun, because I was getting pretty good at it in my real estate team. And I, I realized I love doing that more than I loved working on my real estate company. So when I did transition out of my real estate company, it was a natural fit to start working in that world of seven, eight-figure entrepreneurs, companies, and helping their leadership team with systems, processes, uh, et cetera. And, and is that where you're currently focusing on? So one of our programs is focusing on that and it's that's elevated advisors where we're coming in we're helping the leadership team we're working with awesome impact driven companies who really want to make a big change so when you ask you know who's your ideal client if i've actually had a bunch of people come to me and they say you know i hate my employees i hate my business i just want to make a lot of money i say i I can't help you i you know there's somebody out there who can but i'm not the guy for you because i'm really focused on people who love their company, they want to make a big impact, whether that's in their employees' lives, their personal life, or to the world, and are willing to grow and be open-minded towards that growth. So that's kind of where we're going in the Elevate Advisors world. And then we have a program called Elevate Next that is helping high-performing, like 25 to 35-year-olds learn the personal systems and the business systems as well. So it's kind of an emerging leaders type of training system. How'd you pick that? Once again, following my passion, following my curiosity, I, you know, as I was working with these elevated advisor clients, I always felt this ping that, hey, I, I could be really, I could craft these systems and processes in a little way and help you know, more people do that. It doesn't have to just be for seven, eight figure entrepreneurs. 
And my big, big goal eventually is to really start helping the youth and help, you know, the same curriculum really that we're teaching in Elevate Next, tweak it and make it the 101 version and bring it down to the high schoolers and young people teaching them personal systems, uh, financial literacy, mindfulness, personal development, et cetera. So coming from that is my big, hairy, audacious goal and something that I definitely want to pursue and am pursuing. Elevate Next was a really good first step for that. It's beautiful. And I, I think what's, what's also very exciting is this idea that you kind of really walked into where you were passionate and, you know, sort of had some experience, but, but weren't, you know, 100% fulfilled. How did you start to attract your initial clients and how do people find out about you and how did you position yourself, I guess you could say, in this niche to get the right kinds of people in front of you so that they can hear about what you offer and then, you know, hire you if, if it's a good fit? Yeah, great question. So, when, like when I was transitioning out of real estate development, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was like a four to six month process. And during that four to six month process was the discovery of what do I really want to go in on next? Where do I want to be? And that's where I started following my curiosity. And I started one, helping some businesses out for free saying, Hey, Hey, acquaintance of mine, I'll jump in and help you out for a little bit, see what I can do. And I really started to craft a model and a product there. And then getting them results, right? To where they would then give me a testimonial as well saying, hey, I work with Christian, he did great, blah, blah, blah. And from there, um, I just started reaching out to people in like my second network, my first network and saying, hey, there's this program, do you know anybody interested? From there, there was one or two people who said, hey, actually I'm interested, what's it look like? Crafted, crafted a product and an offering from there. And then, you know, the, the Hollywood version is we used that product the whole way through and it was perfect and everything happened. But what really happened was I used, I worked with those two people, figured out what worked, what didn't work, what people loved and what people didn't love. And then kind of just iterated until I found a product that fit what most people were looking for. It was surprising because some of the things that I didn't, they were afterthoughts, like, oh yeah, I'll do that, but it's not really that big of a deal, were some of the most important things to the entrepreneurs. So mm. it was just kind of listening to them, getting feedback, and then iterating. Fascinating. Um, what do you find is the connection between personal development and success in the workplace? Or, you know, the, the, the models that work to make successful teams, is it the same as it will make a successful person, or is there some kind of a discrepancy? Yeah, great question. I think personal development and success in the workplace as an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, employee, teammate, et cetera, are, they go so hand in hand. Um, I think you can't have one without the other, really. For me, my personal development journey led to success in business, in my opinion. Uh, when I started to really work on myself and focus on myself, my health, my personal development and growth is when I saw my business start to do the same thing. It was kind of, they were correlated and they were going in the same direction. When I stopped doing that, my business would start turning with me. It was really interesting. I still find the same thing. What, now, what just to, just to, I'm sorry to interrupt. So to get, to, to look at the, the personal habits you have. So obviously physical exercise is important. Eating healthy is important. What are some of the things you're reading or the practices that you're doing in your daily life that you found were the most effective at turning your life around? Yeah, for sure. So first and foremost, reading every day. Uh, you know, I, I hated reading back in the day. When I started implementing, you know, at first it was 10 pages a day. Now it's three to four books a month. That instantly started to help. But I would say 
after that, the most important habit that I've implemented was just a solid morning routine, just getting up um, early, completely unplugged. So not checking emails, not checking texts right away and going into whatever morning routine gets you going and gets you prepared for the day. For me personally, that's journaling one page. I do three things I'm grateful for. And then just a flow of mind, whatever's on my mind, I write for a page. Then I'll jump into reading, I'll work out, and then I'll meditate for 30 minutes. And then I jump into my day. For me, that just centers me. And that's, that's kind of like my rock. That's a non-negotiable in my life. So I would say that's the biggest habit, if anything, uh, that has helped me grow. What kind of stuff are you reading? Gosh, well, I'm little, I've, I've been diving really deep into like Buddhism a lot lately. Um, yeah, so I've been, you know, Buddhism, um, it started out with Stoicism and then Buddhism and just kind of any type of mindfulness um, books. But I also mix that type of heady um, Zen mindfulness stuff with, you know, business books. Like I just read Brian Holiday's Perennial Seller, which was... Yeah really good. I'm reading um, Purple Cow right now, which is another classic one. Do you find, it's interesting, do you find that, I mean, Ryan Holiday is a great example of someone that really crossed over into both because he wrote the modern man's, you know, book on stoicism as well as a lot of these business books. What do you find more compelling or, I, let me, I'll ask it a different way. As, as a person that is involved in the world of commerce, a lot of times we feel guilty by indulging sort of our, I would say our philosophic mind, if you would. And it's like, you know, well, how does this help the balance sheet? Do you think there is a value in educating yourself along the lines that you're interested in, even if it doesn't initially plug into, I don't know, how good you, you know, you, you, you build a social media marketing company or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, two answers there. One, I think at the end of the day, it hundred percent does reflect back on the balance sheet. And the more you, you know, go into what you're curious about and the more you're learning about the philosophical heady stuff, I think does help. But even if it didn't help your balance sheet and your profit sheet, because that's not the point, I think it's just so important to follow those paths and, you know, create play in your life and create space to think and to be creative um, to let out your inner child. I think a lot of times, myself included, I was going through a really stressful point in my life where I was just work, 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 work. And I found that I was hitting my goals and I was unhappy and I was missing my goals and I was unhappy. And it was because I wasn't giving myself this. You're just unhappy. I was just unhappy. Right. And when I started to really focus on these things and letting my inner child out, and, you know, focusing on philosophical, because that's what I like doing for play. Um, it started to not only make me a happier person, it started to lock me in more and get me more productive in the office because I was in a good place in my personal life. So I could show up and be the leader and be the producer that I needed to be in business as well. So I think- It's fascinating. What do you, what do you find about, I don't know what you, I'm sorry if I'm gonna ask a very personal question. What's your religious background growing up? Yeah, good question. Um, we were not a very religious household, but we were raised Catholic. So I got confirmed as you know Catholic, uh, went to church as a Catholic, but I would say that we didn't completely live in that world. Like we weren't very religious, but we, if I were to say that I was raised in any way, it would be Catholic. So it's interesting because stoicism or the Buddhism studies that you're doing, in a lot of cases that the, 
mindfulness requires like learning and engagement. And when you're thinking about, you know, traditional religion, I guess you can say a lot of people, you know, they go to a religious you know, a house of worship, they go prayer, they go, you know, they kind of have a, a, a religious structure. But then when you start speaking about philosophy, Buddhism, mindfulness kinds of stuff, these are things that require a lot more, I guess you can say intellectualism and buy-in um, in order for you mm-hmm. to get by. You know what I'm saying? So the, I guess the question would be, do you, do you wish that you had been raised in a way, again, I'm sure you're, however you're raised was great, but you know, in terms of your own potential, you know, your future kids, you don't have any kids yet. Do you want to raise them in a way that is um, more religious, I guess you can say, no matter what religion you might raise them with, or is it in general something that you just think you kind of fall into later in life if you're interested and not if, you're, and not if not? Yeah, great question. Uh, I find I find I'm very in, my style would be to be very open and let them fall into their curiosity. I like presenting them with options and ideas, and you know I'm still going to have my beliefs, etc. But letting them come up to their own decisions and their own answers and their own questions too, right? About it all. So for me personally. I wish I was presented uh, with, you know, the Buddhist concepts and the Stoic concepts younger, maybe then I would have studied them for even longer, or maybe I would have studied them and threw them out and moved on to something else by the time I'm 26. I don't know. But, uh, you know, when they came across my table, like Stoicism came into my life through Tim Ferriss and Ryan Holiday, like as I'm sure most people, um, it was mind blowing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a very practical philosophy. And then from there, I moved into Buddhism, which I never really knew about Buddhism. I always just thought it was this other religion right across the world that, you know, um, yogis learn about, et cetera. And so diving into that, I'm like, oh man, it's nothing like I knew at all. Nothing like my preconceived notion. So I would say if I were to do it again, or when I raise kids, it's going to be, hey, here are the options. Here's some thoughts, some questions. Like I want to engage people in conversation and make them think instead of just uh, telling them, hey, this is the structure, and when you're older, you'll figure out your own thing. Um, what within Buddhism, sorry, this has nothing to do with business, but what within Buddhism do you find to be the most compelling or the most relevant to your daily life? Yeah, so one of the, the big tenets of Buddhism, and like I'm not a Buddhist, like I, I've just been going down this rabbit hole for you know six six months or a year now, but one of the most compelling parts for me about Buddhism is uh, to not crave. Like, so they talk about craving as the key to unhappiness. So when you want things and when you crave things, it creates unhappiness. So learning how to, and this also Stoicism says the same thing. Hinduism says the same thing as well. The concept of letting go of the fruit, right? Of doing things because it's the right thing to do, not because of the result that you're getting from them. So the concept of not craving and just, letting go of the fruit, doing the right thing without craving the result has practically changed my life and changed my belief system into looking more of what is the right thing to do in this situation as opposed to what can I get out of this situation? What is the result of the situation? It's interesting because I think that that is such a, a, a mindset shift from the conventional way that we are instructed or educated to look at business, which is, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out, you know, how much how much can I make out of this given deal or, or, or X, Y, and Z. And the idea of, you know, saying no to a client or not being driven after, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a fascinating concept. Um, there's two things. First of all, it's interesting because that's also a Jewish principle. Um, the mm-hmm. idea it says that a person, a person that, that 
um, runs after their drives will, will, will leave the world without even one, uh, one a half of their desires fulfilled. Um, but I, I, I spoke about this a little bit today, actually earlier, Simon Sinek has this new book where he speaks about, you know, like commerce is, is infinite. And there's always going to be new businesses and always like going to be flowing in money. And you, you're never going to reach a point where you have, you, whatever, you just, you just reach bigger fishes and bigger oceans and you will die having not achieved, you know, again, even, you know, even, even a guy like Bezos, you'd say is still, you know, so again, and now he's swimming in the world of like, you know, countries and, and, their, and their GDPs, but it's still, you know, just another big world that he's out there. And oh. the of, of, I guess, finding mindfulness and finding happiness in the world that you are and it's detached from the outcome of, of you know, am I going to, the, the next thing. It's really, it's a fascinating concept. Are you concerned mm -hmm. at all though that it kills um, desire, it kills drives? It kills, you know, you, you have, let's say you're, you're talking to this high school student and you start talking about being happy. Are you concerned that he's gonna wind up homeless under a bridge somewhere, you know, with, uh, with a heroin problem instead of, uh, instead of a, uh, you know, a mindful, a mindful corporate titan? Yeah, yeah, I, I love this line of questioning and I, I think about it a lot. And when I first came across the concept, I was, um, I felt the exact same thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna kill my like drive. Like I live on my motivation. So like, how do I, how do I wrestle with this new idea that's seeding in my mind? And so like reading the autobiography of Gandhi, his biggest thing was this. And you know, he always said, if he never even freed his people in India, he would still die happy because he was doing a rightful pursuit, right? That was his biggest thing. He was still fulfilled no matter what. So I could, I could kind of see that. I could understand that. But then I'm like, I don't want to be homeless and poor still. So how do I wrestle with that? And I came to a really happy place where Seneca, um, who is a philosopher, ancient Stoic, and also one of the richest people in Rome when he lived, he, he made a comment about you can enjoy the nice things in life and you can go after the nice things in life. But you just can't need the nice things in life. So he said he would be just as happy in his palace and his servants to be in exile with nothing. Uh, so his internal locus of happiness came from the internal, not the external, which in Seneca's world, he actually did lose everything and was exiled. And, you know, from by all means still was writing letters as happy as ever. He could have been faking it, but that concept of it's okay to enjoy these things and strive for these things. It's not okay to need these things and place your happiness on these things. So that's kind of where I wrestle with that, Jacob. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, it's, I guess that that's always the question of, of, of the rubber hitting the road. You know, when, when um, Gary Vee's always talking about, you know, I, I wish I would lose everything so I can go back and start it again. You can see I could do it. Um, it definitely requires a great deal of humility if you actually have to, um, if you actually have to do that. And it's interesting, it's just kind of coming to mind, um, one, of the, one of the areas that a lot of people struggle with is this idea of, you know, as you're working, I guess, of being good at everything. And as you, as you work really hard on your business, so then it's very possible that you, your family, your kids, you, you know, your wife might not get the time that she, that, that she, that they need. And I guess if there's an area of your life where you are, I guess, coming back and having to start at zero, I guess that's one way that you can kind of like deal with that humility and having to have that beginner's mindset without I guess always having to start at zero or getting exiled and winding up starving somewhere in the, you know, the outskirts of Rome. Um, fascinating. Okay, great. So, so maybe give a, a couple of, a couple of practical, if, if you're, if you are a, 
a person that's looking to get more out of their life, spiritual life, business life, maybe give us like two pointers and then tell us how people can find out more about what you're doing. Yeah, two pointers on how to get more out of life. Um, one pointer going along just the lines of what we're talking about here is creating space to think and reflect. Uh, you know, something as simple as a month end journaling session where you spend an hour in a coffee shop reflecting on the lessons you learned that month uh, can really, really change the way you look at your life as a chronological timeline and also just keeping track of the lessons you learned. I, I've gone through periods in a year where I'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I learned this year. Like, I don't know. There's so much. So when you write every month and you reflect on your month, you can log the most important things, the lessons, the questions, the feelings that you're wrestling with. Um, so I would say that's one big tip is definitely, definitely take the space to reflect and think. And it, you'll feel guilty as first as if you're indulging because you're taking that time. But I'll, I'll definitely tell you that it will impact your business in a positive way and your life in a positive way even if you feel like you're slacking off by doing it. Um, two, two other practical tips is um, don't, get, don't get killed by a thousand cuts. And what I mean by that is when you're committing to something or you're on a journey, I find that most people fail in habits, diets, routines, systems, not by like some big mistake or big decision, but it's a thousand tiny little decisions, right? It's, having that cookie on the airplane when you're trying to cut out sugar. It's snoozing because it's Friday when you're trying to instill a morning routine. So it's, you know, those little decisions really do lead up to big time effects in your life. So that would be a, a big practical tip that I see all the time. Outstanding. Okay. And Christian, how can people find out more about you and, and follow you? Yeah, well, they can, they can reach out to me on Facebook and add me on Facebook. It's uh, you know, facebook.com slash cchasmer. And then they can also check out our website at elevateyoursystems.com. I send out a, a newsletter and an article every single week diving into these exact topics, anywhere from stoicism to business. Amazing. Christian, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Here you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.